Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Floodman11, and today I have something very special to share with everyone. Uh, so, as most of you know, slash as I made abundantly clear to everyone who would listen, I was at the Bathurst 12 hour over the weekend, and I had a amazing weekend. Uh, the race itself was fantastic, but I also had quite a few unique experiences. So, listeners of the Weekend Sports Cars podcast uh, would know that one of uh, our Reddit users, uh, BonnieLass47, chose to donate her prize for Question of the Week uh, to me, which, again, I'm super thankful for and uh, yeah, I was completely blown away. And Graham was on board with it as well. So, I actually had the opportunity to meet Graham, uh, Graham Goodwin, this is, uh, throughout the, uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, I may have tried to push this a little further. Uh, when I submitted my questions for the Week in Sports Cars last week, I actually sent a follow-up message to Graham Goodwin to say, hey, uh, these are the questions I have. Would it be okay if I had the opportunity to come in and interview you for about 10 or 15 minutes as part of uh, my podcast, uh, as part of Endurance Chat? He finally got back to me uh, the week of the event and said, come by the media center Friday after the final session and we'll do this. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I was at the very end of uh, Conrad Strait at that time. So I sprinted across to the media center uh, just in case there was any time uh, constraints. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was invited into the media center by Graham Goodwin. Uh, I got the opportunity to meet him again. Uh, and then the rest of the Radio Le Mans crew, uh, Johnny Palmer, Shay Adam and John Hindor and their media officer, uh, Jackie as well. And, uh, it was a really, I will, I will admit I was a little tense going in because of, uh, what's been happening, uh, on our subreddit the last month or so, but they were super welcoming and very sort of chill about it. Uh, and they were cracking jokes about it and it was great. Um, but on top of that, once they had uh, finished up everything they needed to do and moved off to the meetup that was happening that night, uh, Graham Goodwin actually uh, invited me into the Bathurst 12-hour commentary box uh, to do a that little podcast segment. Now, what was meant to be just a quick 10 to 15 minute sort of chat turned into about an hour and a half of discussing everything that was going on, uh, featuring an hour-long recording of a podcast. Uh, so that is what we're going to listen to now. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. So I'm joined in the Bathurst 12-hour commentary box, uh, where I've been lucky enough to be brought into um, by Graham Goodwin. Uh, firstly, Graham, thank you for doing this. Delighted. it. And uh, welcome to Australia. Uh, you were straight off the plane from Daytona um, before coming here. And uh, yeah, how how's it been so far? Love the country. Love this place. Bathurst and the Mount Panorama Circuit. It's, it's just an epic place to be. And I've, I've often said, you know, when you work doing what I do as a as a job, you've got to make ends meet doing this. Uh, this is the this is probably the one place in the world. If there was a very minor shortfall, I'd make it up with my own cash. Happily not had to this year. <laughs> but you know, this is my fourth trip here. First time actually doing this and not doing TV, and that's great because it means I can actually go and see some of the circuit when the cars are on track, uh, and it's. It's been great fun again. Yeah, and that was something I actually wanted to ask you. Have you actually had a chance before to get out to the track and to see the cars at speed? No. I mean, you know, when I first came here back in, let me think now, 1815, um, I've done laps of the track in road cars. Uh, we've been up to the top of the mountain when the cars aren't on track at speed. But the very nature of the streaming service that's been provided down through the years by Radio Show Limited, and then obviously with the live broadcast that uh, last year, last year I was here, Channel Seven, is that you are in this box, you're in this glass room for very long periods of time, and that's a massive privilege. But it's also just clip your wings in terms of getting some of the experience that you guys trackside can actually get. This is one of the most awesome places in the world to see race cars live, but really close. Um, you know, close uh, uh, distance to them, and with the cars at kind of V max down, sort of fabulous straights you've got here as well. Yeah. So looking forward to doing that during qualifying and during the race uh, this year for the very first time. Um, it is something that when you take a decision to drive for a career doing what 
the guys in the room just behind us do, and the guys who normally will be standing in this booth, Krelzy, John Heimdorf and Johnny Palmer this year, that you've got to give up a little bit of that. You've got to give up that little bit of your passion for going and experiencing these things trackside. Um, and I don't often get to do it, and it's a, it's great that I get to do it this year. Yeah, make sure that when you're up top that you come and say hi to us as well. Because we'll we definitely will be up there, <laughs> uh, up at McPhillory Park. Um, so you said this was your fourth year here, is that correct? It's, it was three years on the bounce. Uh, wasn't here last year because it was a clash with Asian Le Mans series. Asian Le Mans yep. series. Back this year as a journalist only. Um, and, you know, clearly my travels around the globe are a mix of... TV commitments with uh, WEC, with the European Le Mans series, and now with the Asian Le Mans series as well, plus a couple of other bits and pieces. And actually those race meetings that I go to simply as a journalist. And it, we're in the middle right now, or coming towards the end of a, just a bonkers time of year. Yeah, the first stretch of the year is it's, crazy. It's the end of last, last year and the first bit of this year where it is you're literally on a plane, um, usually long haul for, for us in the UK, more or less every weekend. So we have what China, China again, Bahrain, uh, Tokyo for Fuji, yep. then Abu Dhabi a week, Christmas, fantastic port pie, pint yep. of beer. Then in the raw, yeah. Then the raw. Then we've got uh, depending on, on on what's happening that year. You've got the raw. You've got Dubai. We've had Thailand, which is a logistical nightmare for the okay. Asian Le Mans series. Then we've gone into uh, Daytona, and of course you're going straight here from Daytona. The one upside this year. And it's the first time since I've been to Bathurst is what we're not dealing with this year is the first night you're here being the reveal of the Le Mans 24 hours list. And that was the kicker because not only you're exhausted from a 24 hour race, you were getting up in the middle of the night after maybe two or three hours sleep after coming off off of a plane, yeah. Off a 30 hour trip. Yeah. So then get into um, announcement and analysis such as you can that when you're that jet lagged of you know, the most important race of the year. And beyond that, a full season entry for the two uh, championships that I cover for TV. So it's, uh, I'm not gonna, it is a lot more relaxed this year. It does mean I've got time to think. It means I've got time to go and do uh, other things, which include, as we were talking about before we recorded this, a new, uh, from uh, the from the Sports Car Paddock uh, podcast, yep. which is joining Twisk as being part of what I'm doing with... Shameless the, plug from shameless the GG. Plug, 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 plug. <laughs> uh, you know, so but that's, been, you know, that's been a big part of the journey last year. This is the first weekend of the second year of that relationship with Marshall professionally doing the week in sports cars and now more still, and there'll be more still to come on that front. And that's brought whole new audiences you guys have been awesome i mean really genuinely i can't say enough about what you and uh, the other the other admins of the, the subreddits and your readers have done and i'm happy to hand over to you you know the prize you didn't win i know <laughs> and and for bonnie lass who is listening i have the uh, mercedes the amg, AMG uh, little uh, model car in my bag right now uh, and slot car racer it's it's absolutely beautiful and i thank you very much for for sharing this with me and allowing me to have this absolutely and by the way bonnie lass i i i've let myself down um, by not actually posting your uh, your stickers yet, but uh, Flubland's got a bundle for the, for the guys he's going to have up at McFillamy Park, and you will be getting a little package in the post at some point very soon, I hope, once I'm home. But again, I can't say enough. We, we made a decision after kind of fumbling around with Twisk yeah. that actually a good thing to do would be... Interaction really works the internet. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, the lesson. The point, right? Absolutely. And why not, rather than actually have two fat blokes, one with a beard and an American accent, the other one with no beard and no American accent, blathering on for an hour and a half about, okay, all bits and cool stuff, but why not engage? Why not find out not just what interests us, but what interests other people? We do have, because we get professionally to engage with a huge amount of people in this industry, in this sport, we do have a lot of background knowledge, some of which perhaps actually we don't realise of interest. Um, Every week there's been a surprise. Every week there's been cool stuff that's come out. Every week we've had some of the same people coming back with, with excellent questions. But better still, every week we've got new people coming. And, you know, a poor week is 50 to 60 questions. Which is still a good hour and a half. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you know, we've had well over 100 on numerous weeks. And with Ryan Kish, who's another member of the subreddit, um, you know, now compiling those for us. Uh, we're beginning to get ourselves into a bit of a stride, and you know, I know Marshall and I 
thoroughly enjoy. It is a time commitment. Uh, it's often a kind of really bizarre times of the day for me. I've yeah. often been in bizarre places around the world. Um, but it's it's cool. You yeah, know, we, we did one while I was here earlier in the week. That's just gone up online today. Another plug. Another plug. <laughs> Download it. It's great. Um, but, but, you know, it's it's cool to find that things are now moving from where we started with Daily Sports Car and its earlier iterations back in the mid-90s, really early days for, for proper internet, to the point where actually just having a website isn't enough. You've got to do other things as well. And, and you know, we're, we're putting those feelers out with increasing multimedia stuff. Podcasting is a massive part of that. Video and, you know, yeah, look, I fumble around with a kind of steady cam and do my paddock walks. I thoroughly enjoy doing it. And lots of people download, you know, have a look at that online and, and say nice things about it. Look, we can and we will do an awful lot better. And there's a lot more of that going to be coming in, in the years to come. Um, but the reality is that the world is now more demanding of the people mm. in this press room. You've got to be multidisciplinary. You've got to be producing multimedia content. And happily, you know, God, when he kind of ticked the options box for Graham Goodwin, <laughs> put a gob on me, which is great. You know, it means that I, you know, I'm reasonably confident about talking to a microphone or to a camera. And, you know, happily, the things that fascinate me seem to fascinate some of you guys as well. And that's that's a delight to me. That's an absolute delight. It's a very lucky position to be in. And I'm I'm I feel a little similar, not quite the same, not quite the same reach as you have, but to have not an, as good looking. Oh, of course yeah. not. Um, but to have an audience uh, who has been growing uh, over the course of the last few years that we've been doing this and is How interested. Many members now? Um, the the subreddit itself has about twenty two thousand, which is twenty more when I first joined. Well, I'll tell you something. Why are you coming to WC races? Come on. Well, they don't have any in Australia. <sighs> This is the this is the closest I get to be. Well, so we'll be seeing you at the bend. I'm yes, sure. definitely. We'll talk yes. about that. I'm sure in a moment. Absolutely. Um, but but it, look, it's a delight to see people digging deeper. This is the point. Look, a press release is a wonderful thing. A TV broadcast is a wonderful thing. But one of the great things about an enthusiasm is when you get the opportunity to just find out more. Yeah. And that I think was what drove me to take the step from being someone hanging on a fence, as I was for many years with my son. Um, you know, my story about getting involved in sports car racing is all to do with my son, all to do with my son. Okay. Um, you know, that came through breakdown of my first marriage where, you know, you get a choice as a dad uh, to a young kid. Are you going to be involved in that kid? Or are you going to be a McDonald's dad? As in, you go and have a happy meal every Saturday yeah. morning. Or are you going to go through your arse and actually go and do something and involve yourself with that kid? And, you know, my lad was my life and we started to go and watch motor racing very regularly and we started to expand our horizons in 1995 seven years old so you can work out from that how old my son is um that's james he's about seven years older than i am there you go <laughs> uh, he, he um he wanted to go and watch the mclarens at Le Mans, so we went and we got on a page of my coach anybody listening in the uk will know exactly what that is uh which is a you know, you get on a coach, you drive through the night, you go to Le Mans, you watch the race, you get back on the coach, you come home, you sleep on the coach. Okay. And we turned up utterly, completely and woefully unprepared um, and watched the car that we chose uh, to, to follow, which was the uh, the Harris McLaren, plus the gorgeous uh, liveried Marcuses, which was the other cars we chose to follow. And we watched those through the night in an awesome race, got absolutely just torrentially wet absolutely no <laughs> protective clothing at all squelched our way back to the bus came back with smiles as wide as the, as the front of the coach um, and that started something we started from there on in to, to watch uh, some of the BPR races that's a little further afield I started because I, my background was as a professional journalist to start to think about whether or not there might be something I could do with my enthusiasm I was constrained by my job at the time yep. uh, I was a civil servant at the time we couldn't work professionally as a journalist, but more or less the week I finished, I involved myself with what became Daily Sports Car in 2002. We launched it and I have not looked back. I mean, you know, um, the Daytona 24 hours was my 73rd 24 hour race. That is, that is a crazy stat. It's massively depressing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wow, 73. Yeah. That's that's phenomenal. I definitely get what you uh, said about having something to enjoy with your son because for me, motorsport was something that I did with my dad. Excellent. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, Sundays we'd spend watching the V8 supercars and then we made the decision to start going to the, what was the Clips of 500 in Adelaide and um, as that's evolved through the years, now I'm doing marshalling at the, the right. Adelaide 500 this year and I've come down to Bathurst. This is now my fourth time. So the, the very American thing, by the way, that they yeah. say in a particular area of, of uh, their lives, which is thank you for your service. Now, you know, I don't, I'm not fond of that, that phrase in American, but, but I do mean it about marshalling. You know, we've had, we were talking before we, we, we started to record this about a particular incident here. Marshals get a hard time. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of reward. Uh, in many cases, there's no reward other than a particularly fetching set of overalls, okay? Um, there might be a free sandwich and a cup of tea, but without them, we're nowhere. We're nowhere. We wouldn't be sitting here without the guys and the girls that, that sit in the corners and, you know, sweep up the mess after Shane Van Gisburg and stacked it again. Um, uh, I love Shane. Uh, sorry. I, I love Shane. He's my favourite driver as well. I'm literally wearing you his are old shirt. You are literally wearing his shirt. It probably is actually his shirt. He's probably really annoyed because he can't find it. But no, no, I, mean, no, I, 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 I joke. Yeah. But he is one of my, my, my current favourite drivers because he's got character. He's got guts. He's a little bit different. He's a little bit bonkers. Yeah. I do like that. Brilliant. But, you know, it is important to recognise that it's not just people like me that do this for a living. It's the passion of people that do it because it's a passion and nothing else. Yeah. And that, that is what makes this tick. Forget the guys with the, the sharp suits that, you know, um, you know, think they little, probably some of them literally do own the place, but hey, let's put that aside for now. Mm. You know, they would have no event without those people. Yeah. And, you know, guys, if you're listening... And you do want to get closer to it, look at your local motor clubs, find out what they've got to offer. You will have an absolute ball. The camaraderie is just mega. Absolutely right. And I've got to say, I've said it a few times in this podcast already, having that experience gives you an entirely different it does. perspective. Yeah. 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 You, yeah, You start to understand how much more difficult it is to run these events and to be a part of these events. Um, and it's, it, may, it really puts into perspective some of the weird things we see Absolutely. in our sport every now and then to just sort of think about the human element behind that and how difficult the decisions are that have to be made. It gives you, your perspective is a great word for it, Michael. It's, it's for me, it's one of my bugbears and it comes from my professional background prior to motorsport is, it is that thing around getting to the point where you understand the difference between fact and opinion yeah. or fact and perception. And, you know, when you're dealing with race cars approaching you backwards on fire at 150 miles an hour, you tend to deal with fact pretty darn quickly. <laughs> uh, so for me, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It's it's a different perspective. Again, I talk to a lot of the marshals. I see, you know, time and again, I know there's a lot of the guys actually contribute to your subreddits. Um, and they've always got an opinion that it is a delight to see and hear their level of enthusiasm for what we're watching and what we do. And without them, it, it wouldn't happen. It simply wouldn't be possible. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's a very, very cool thing to be a part of. And yeah, I can't wait to go out and do more events. Have you ever done any marshalling at all? I did years ago, but I, uh, my, kind of, uh, my kind of path into that was quite an unusual one. Um, I worked for uh, a long time for the UK government as a press secretary yep. in a whole range of different areas. And I found myself almost by accident working for our sports minister. Um, when I worked for the sports minister, we got involved with uh, all sorts of things. So bringing the Tour de France to the UK for the first time, Olympic bids where we had the Manchester bid against Sydney because that was always going to work. <laughs> uh, but that, that did ultimately lead to the London bid. Um, and I had a period of time uh, in Barcelona as part of effectively the British Olympic team as a, a, as a press yeah. delegate. My opposite number, um, my mate Neville, um, who now retired, uh, used to race carts. And he asked me to get involved with various bits and pieces. I operated as a, a um, administrator for their karting championship for a short while, did a little bit myself broke my neck in a cart which I only found out 15 years later wow it's a true, true story I actually rolled the cart hurt myself haven't realised it which explained a whole range of 
uh, maladies that came to pass uh, some <laughs> years later. But also because when you're involved at that level with karting, the inevitability is you're going to get involved in marshalling and pushing and all sorts of things. So you did learn a lot about it. You learn a lot about kind of human nature when under pressure. You learn a lot about karting dads. I can tell you that for nothing. But, <laughs> but not I've never got involved uh, with marshalling. Uh, per se, at the major circuits, and that was principally because my day jobs were not nine to five. Yeah, uh, I was uh, operating uh, over weekends as well, yep. so my my free time was effectively taken up by my son. Yeah, that was it. Um, so there was not the time available at the times when it would have been required, but absolutely was always on the radar. Yeah, and I've got like, a lot of good friends that do do it. <laughs> Um, speaking of marshalling, one thing that I've been very excited about, which uh, is news that broke last month, is the opportunity to mar marshal at the Asian Le Mans series when it comes to Australia yep. uh, at the Bend. Uh, it's the 2019-2020 season, correct? Correct. Yeah. So uh, have you been to the Bend yet? No, I've actually, I'm, I've got on my list of things to do is to actually go and chat to the team that are here with Erebus uh, that are promoting the Bend. Uh, I wasn't in the... Uh, the focus group at uh, okay. Angel Le Mans series that actually decided to go there. I was absolutely delighted to hear that we were going. Um, it's just so, another excuse to come to Australia, right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Australia is just a fantastic place. It's just unfortunately full of Australians. So, uh, you know, and once you guys learn to play cricket, it'll be a lot better here. Um, uh, um, excuse me? Uh, what happened the last time you came here and played cricket? We've got to give you an edge somewhere. You know, What's happening to the West Indies? Uh, well, to your team in the well, West Indies you know, you've at the got moment. to give these, these aspiring teams the opportunity <laughs> to develop uh, because if you didn't give them hope, what's the point? So, but we, look, Australia, <laughs> it's a great place. I've been on holiday with the family. I've obviously been down into Bathurst but the Ben will be the only other place I've been. Yep. I expect, hope and expect to be part of the TV uh, output for that, to be helping them with a the presentation there. We've got Aussies involved who've been involved in that negotiation as well. You've met a couple of them here today. Yes. Um, and let's wait and see. I'm expecting that to be another step for the Asian Le Mans series. Um, it's always had its challenges in terms of getting into a develop, developing marketplace, particularly because it's bringing something to Asia that they've not really had yeah. in the modern era, which is endurance racing with racing prototypes. Yep. GT cars, something different. And um, particularly when you're in the dominant um, economic parts of the Asian marketplace, and you can't ignore China, for instance, is they are pretty brand-led, uh, which is why GT3 is very successful. Here's yep. why GT4 isn't. Okay. Because the, the guys with the money want the biggest, baddest thing, yeah. whether or not they're capable of driving it. To try to actually say to someone who does understand what a uh, what an Audi is, what a Ferrari is, what a Lamborghini is, what a Bentley is, what an Aston Martin is, to then try to explain Ligier is another leap. But actually, they are beginning to actually get to that point. And one of the most astonishing things about the Asian Le Mans series, with this modern era of introducing the live TV and the streaming, which I've been delighted to be a core part of, is the numbers of people who are watching in China. It is phenomenal. It is one of the biggest worldwide audiences for endurance racing. It's, it's well into seven figures. Wow. It's massive. Wow, so, that's huge. Uh, so the, the guys behind the scene, the guys like Siwad Teshvalan, who are developing the strategy for that, often misunderstood when you look and people we concentrate on, well, okay, there's only 13 cars last year. Oh, oh, look, yeah. It's gone from 20 to 19. What a disaster. No, this is about the economic viability of it. It's about capturing that attention. It's about developing the commercial case for it and taking those numbers to people that might want to do something commercial in the future. So I hope, and I do feel that that progress has actually been made and you're going to see steps forward. It is going to be determined to a certain extent by what happens in Europe, yep. because which of those teams will come. It's going to be determined by whether or not GT racing in Australia and across the Asian Pacific region uh, can accommodate Kind of two growing things at the same time, as well as the national scenes. Yeah. But there's a lot of intelligent people working very hard to develop those cases and start to get people to think more internationally. And Australia is a great example of that. One of the things we love about coming to Bathurst every year is that we get to see the awesome talent of your supercars drivers. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not you're a fan of supercars or not, and I am. You should be. Well, you absolutely should be. But what we do know about supercars is because it's such a huge product within one marketplace, lots of those guys for their entire career have never looked beyond that. And when you get people of the epic talent of Craig Lowndes, a great example, 
when he's then exposed to the opportunities that that gives you in the international GT racing market, or I absolutely expect him to be in the next 12 months, then you get something rather special. You get to see how good these guys really are. Yeah. And good in two terms. Good in terms of performance in the car and good in terms of their performance out of the car. Yeah. And that's where Craig massively shines. Absolutely. He's an ambassador for the sport. Of, exactly. Yeah, motorsport in Australia. Exactly that. And I think once you get one or two of those guys breaking through, I think you'll, I'm not going to say you're going to see a torrent of them, but I think you'll see that more regularly, that we'll see the guys at the Rolex 24, at the Le Mans 24 hours, mm. at the Spark 24 hours. Yeah. And we've seen that trickle through now, haven't we? It's a trickle. It is a trickle, yeah. Because I've got Chaz with his factory BMW program, uh, which he's been running with the IMSA guys and also uh, in the Blank Pain GT series. We've seen Tim Slade uh, run with the Hub Auto Corsa Ferrari that is running here this weekend uh, with... Um, some of the Blank Pan GT Asia races. And of course, Shane Van Gisbergen, who's raced with Riley in the Porsche and the Mercedes. And of course, his factory McLaren uh, run as well. Um, so it is a trickle. There was two points that I wanted, we'll put a pin in that. And there's two questions that I wanna ask from that. So firstly, is the Asian Le Mans series coming to Australia going to, uh, what is it gonna do for the sports car culture in Australia, which we've already seen yep. like at this event, at the Bathurst 12 hour, is pretty healthy. Yes, it is. This is, look, make no mistake, I've asked a couple of people this question, where does this now sit in the world orbit of GT racing? Forget sports car racing for a moment, GT racing. And a very senior member of staff of a very large brand from Europe tells me it's number three. So that's, it's for them as a German brand, uh, no big ring 24 hours is huge for them. Spa 24 hours is you know, a race with huge uh, history and huge marketability than this race. And I tend to completely agree with that. That's remarkable for a race with as limited a history as this has got. So as for the, the, the sports car world, into that mix, you've got to put them on that is head and shoulders yeah. above anything. Anyone that says different, talk about that. No, it's it as simple as that. Then you've got the big uh, ticket races in America with the Rolex 24 hours at Daytona the 12 hours of Sebring, and actually Petit Le Mans. Yep. For me right now, you can argue that coming up on the rails potentially is the 10 hours of Suzuka, which has yep. a history. It's got to re-establish itself. But the reality is you're probably talking about a top 10 that is headed by those three big GT races, those four big sports car races, and then other aspiring races behind it. Yep. How does the Asia Le Mans series coming to the bend impact on that? Well, it brings into Australia something you've not had domestically for quite a long time. Since is, 2000, I think. Absolutely. So sports prototype racing. But it does something more than that. Because what it gives you is an opportunity for something which I know the Australian Prototype Championship and uh, the Australian P3 Championship has been trying to establish, which is a window into an international formula that's more accessible. Yeah. The reality is, yes, of course, it'd be lovely to actually see an Australian LMP1 team. That's a big stretch, particularly with the, the, the woes of the domestic um, auto industry yeah. in Australia in recent years. However, the thought that you might get an Australian LMP2 team or an Australian LMP3 team. Or an Australian GTE team. Indeed, is way more accessible. And that's most likely to happen if actually what you get is, let's say, a smattering of Aussie GT championship cars coming for a play, either as a one-off entry or uh, doing a couple of those races, or even a four-season entry, and seeing the capabilities in front of their eyes around a circuit they know of that weird little thing from, from Europe that's got a big V8 yeah. in the back. I've seen that before. I've seen before um, drivers in... Club racing in the UK, I can think of a particular driver that did it, uh, turning up with his Porsche Cup car, a Ferrari Challenge car, I think it was at the time, being utterly blown away by Mosler. Oh, okay. So Mosler overtook him in a place where he was on the edge. The Mosler was stuck to the ground like, you know, in a blue tack at every corner. Um, and what did he do? He went out and bought a Mosler. He still got Mosler. He then went out and bought a GTE Lotus and raised that for many years. Um, and it is about guys with that financial ability to, to put together a program being persuaded that that's where they want to spend yeah. their hard-earned money. Yeah. And the reality is LMP3, very accessible financially to people with that level of disposable income. LMP2, rather less so. Yeah. But if actually what you want to go and do is go and race the biggest race in the world, 
that's where you want to be. That's where you want to be, yeah. And it's an interesting thing you say about an international uh, formula because, of course, we mentioned already that V8 supercars is the big thing in Australia. But apart from that, we don't really get a... Not an access, but an exposure to a lot of international motorsports. The biggest one, of course, is F1. But apart from that, um, we don't we don't really have all the drive uh, a lot of drivers who enter into prototypes or enter into sports cars because it's not adverti- advertised as a pathway that is accessible and something that you can get into. It's not unique. I mean, it's it's easy to think it's unique. It's not unique. Look at the British Touring Car Championship. Yeah, it's a British Touring Car Championship. Every year, one of the headlines that you'll get in the pre uh, the pre championship blurb is this year there are insert number 9 12 47 previous british uh, british touring car challenge that's mainly because there's no other route out of it yeah now okay with the the advent of tcr that's gonna that's going to to make that that more accessible mm-hmm. because there is a really cross between tcr and the the, the current said brand of british touring cars same with nascar yeah. aside from the rolex 24 hours uh, and the old occasion on which we've seen michael waltrip for instance in a ferrari at le mans there's not been much of that I think, oddly, we're beginning to go back to the future here, is that people are beginning to see there are opportunities here. And we, we talked before we, we press record here uh, briefly about the likes of Zach Brown. Now, look, Zach's got his critics. I can be one of them at times. You know, Zach did, though, do something rather wonderful when he suggested that because, to be blunt, McLaren had a terrible time in Formula One, that there might be currency in putting Fernando Alonso in IndyCar. And boy, was there. Yeah, exactly you know? right. And whether or not you like what's happened with Fernando coming to sports car racing, I came here having watched Fernando Alonso bluntly destroy the field at uh, Rolex 24. Yeah. In challenging conditions, he is a very high-quality driver. And you know what? He had a ball doing it. He had an absolute ball doing it. And for me... You know, yes, you'll get some other kind of tabloidy stuff that comes out. Did Fernando really say that about his victory at the Le Mans 24 hours? I don't actually give a stuff. You know, what I want to see is people going away and telling us what a mega part of the sport it was. Two or three hours ago, before you and I met, I was up having a quick chat in the Porsche hospitality thing. I'm a guest at Porsche uh, this weekend. And Mark Webber's there preparing for what he's going to be showing off this weekend, which is the new GT2 RS Club Sport, effectively the world's first GT2 car in modern era. Um, and Mark, when he came with Porsche, what an ambassador he was for sports car racing, and what he was telling his mates. I mean, frankly, Jensen Button was in the S&P racing car because Mark Webber told him it was cool. Yeah, you know, awesome. It, it, for him to go back into the Formula 1 paddock and say, hang on a minute, you might talk that down. This car is awesome. And not only that, but to do it on, on international TV as well. Yeah. That has an effect. It's not by accident the likes of Pastor Maldonado and lots of others made their way as their career was beginning to peter out, seeing there's an opportunity to come, come and have another burst of that career. And they actually, I think, have enriched the Knicks hugely. Mm. It's brought a new audience. And it's brought another step up in quality. Uh, it most certainly has. And, and, you know, I'm not a fan of Formula One. That's not a secret to anybody that reads my iPod. <laughs> and the reason for that is, one is I think the racing is not great. Two is I think the the, the, the um, technology that's been used has been used in too gimmicky a fashion. And three, frankly, it's got enough cheerleaders. It doesn't need one more. And my job is to boost the sports car. Be a cheerleader products. for sports cars. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, don't, I make no, no, no kind of... Um, no apologies for it whatsoever. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind that when you've got drivers of high quality, wherever they come from, they do enrich the sport. Mm. What you want to see are these amazing vehicles being wrung out. And, you know, to, to, to see that, you've got to get up close and personal. Mm. That's where you guys have got an advantage on me because you're trackside and you can see that. And the privilege I've got is to tell people, looking at these things the first time, Go and watch here. Yeah. Watch what that does there. It defies objective description (laughs) at times. You know, and I'm not just talking here about the hybrids, which, you know, have been much maligned in recent years, but they're just amazing pieces of kit. LMP2 cars. Look at the speed of the current LMP2 cars. They're faster than the LMP1 cars from only 10 years ago. From just prior to the the hybrids. Hybrids, yeah. They're astonishing pieces of kit. When you've got drivers of the quality of Ant Davidson coming out and saying, that's a proper race car. You know, what you're going to see if you go to the bend is something very special. They are going to destroy the lap record. There. Oh, yeah. They well, are going to destroy the lap record there. I can't wait to see them through. Um, when I was at the bend for the V8, I was marshalling the uh, 
just before the back end of the circuit. Yep. So on the short circuit, I think it's 12, 13, 14. It's basically an uphill right-hander 90 degrees, which is banked the entire way. And watching just the Carrera Cup cars and the V8 supercars go up that was astonishing in itself. Seeing something planted to the ground like a prototype yeah. up there yeah. is going to be mind-blowing. It's, it's the way these things use the downforce. And downforce, you know, we, we, we've got a perception of it. And I, I kind of normally talk about it in very simplistic terms. If you're not aware of what downforce does, Next time you're a passenger in a car, I wind down the, the window and just put your hand out in a plain form, lift it, that's lift, and just dip it, and you'll, that's downforce. Yep. That's what it does. It's why dogs like putting their heads out the window. <laughs> um, probably Adrian knew it wouldn't like that one, but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's going to be spectacular to see them on what looks to me to be an absolutely pure driver circuit. Yeah. And better still, it's going to be good to see them on a circuit that the guys have never seen before. There are very few simulators that have got that yet, so I've been talking to a few people about that, and I think it's going to be in some demand now. But particularly because even the professional drivers on a 7.7-kilometer circuit are going to struggle to learn that circuit. Yeah, it's it's a monster. Yeah. So have you talked to um, Yasser Shahin? Uh, He's on my list. He's on your list? Okay. Because, of course, the Shahin family are the ones who have built and promoted the bend, um, and they have been fans of sports cars for ages. So it doesn't even surprise me that they've worked this hard to bring the Asian Le Mans series into Tail and Bend and into Adelaide, which is, of course, where I'm from. Absolutely. You know, that is another good thing to, to actually add into the mix, which is... Here's an example of where Formula One did a good thing. When it went to Adelaide, it created a generation of petrol head uh, motorsport nutters. It, it is absolutely true to say that the four people I work with most closely in motorsport are Australian, all come from Adelaide, which is amazing. Um, and, and that's a good thing. When you get the opportunity to experience something awesome, it leaves that legacy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's why, you know, uh, we say it and say it again, if you're going to a motor race, take a friend. Yes, Because definitely. you know what? For every three friends you take, one of them is going to get hooked. I've always said it, you know, in terms of, you know, I cannot understand why major international motorsport doesn't reach out to schools and education more often than it does. We see it some places. We see it sometimes at Silverstone. We absolutely see it all the time at Fuji. Two and a half thousand kids come on uh, the day before the cars hit the track. And oh, we, cool. oh, it's fantastic. And we put them through some engineering stuff. Uh, we do press conferences with them, they do art projects, um, and then they do see some of the cars out on track. Uh, and that's way cool. And, and what that's doing is it's breeding a whole generation of people who see that as being something aspirational. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's mes- it mesmerizes me that actually more people don't see that as being a no-brainer. I would, frankly, at every race meeting... Um, if I were the promoter, I'd be paying for two coaches to the local school and saying, bring your mum and dad, because those kids are going to nag their parents to bring them <laughs> And that's where we should be in promoting this. You're not going to do that, however good we are on TV, from kids watching cars going round and round. Because yeah. you know what? It's great, but you have to be a fan. Yeah. What, what really does it is what those things sound like, what those things look like, those things look like when you see them up close, what they smell like. And what they taste like. Yeah, it's that it is that thing you've got to be here on the track side to actually watch it and to understand what makes this sport special. Um it's it's awesome. Yeah. I hundred percent agree and I still remember the first time being at the track at the, the Clips of five hundred, I think it was back in two thousand and three or four, and seeing these cars go past the pit straight for the first time, just that smell, that visceral oh, yeah. sound. It it shook my body. And it, that, that's one of those things that will always stick with it, me. It's a thing, you know, I mean, look, I'm a, a sports car racing professional, but, you know, I still have a, a list of things that I want to experience, and I've come pretty close to some of them. I've done some of them. Um, you know, Is this place one of them? This place absolutely was one of them. The story here, by the way, I've said it, I've said it before, but I'll say it for the purpose of this, is and that's Mark Webber goes by in the GT2 RS Club Sport, by the way. That's what you can hear in the background. Um, back in the day, when I was a kid, the Bathurst 1000, we did get on TV, but months later. Oh, okay. And that was in the days where your cutting-edge broadcast technology was here, in-car cameras, yep. cameras mounted on that you could move as the car was going by, people talking to the driver in car. That was a first for Australia. Make no mistake about it. That was exported to the rest of the world from right here. And it meant that we saw this awesome place um, on TV. And, you know, for anybody that was interested in motorsport, it's utterly different. It remains utterly different and remarkably unspoiled. 
you know, if you tried to build a track like this anywhere else in the world, you wouldn't, not a chance. You wouldn't get allowed to. Not a chance. So, yeah, absolutely we knew about Bathurst. We knew about the Bathurst 1000. That's a race that people follow. Even if you don't follow supercars, you follow the Bathurst yeah. 1000. We, we have a saying in Australia about the Melbourne Cup, which is the race that stops the nation. And then we have absolutely. one about the Bathurst 1000, which is the other race that stops the nation. I, I, I live in a place called Epsom in the UK, just outside London. And... We have a horse race course there, yep. a very, very famous uh, race takes place every year, usually while I'm at Le Mans, it's the Epsom Derby. And where I would go, or I do go, to have a walk with my family, which is kind of 15 minutes up the road from where I am, you can look down and see the sky of London below you, it's a cool place, lots of green. Um, you know, for one weekend a year, 150,000 people turn up and create a hell of a mess um, but it's a cool thing you can feel part of that event and the queen comes every year she owns some of the horses and she drives past the end of my street and we wave she never waves back you know, <laughs> you know prince philip doesn't either he's probably been grumpy again but you know but you know it's a cool thing and yeah. and it's part of the specialness of that sport yeah um and it's the same here and what i love about this place is you go into the town and it's not like some towns that are close to race circuits you know there's not what we would call nimbyism here they're not yeah. in my backyard yeah. this is a place that knows what's special and embraces it and there aren't that many places we go to that do that Monza does it the Nürburgring fundamentally does yeah. it you know um, does Le Mans? it does it does in a different way but it does okay. uh, there are plenty of places in Le Mans particularly in race week which do fundamentally uh, embrace that by putting up the cost of a steak and chips to <laughs> 14 or 15 so, but that, that's that's unfair the, the reality is they know what they've got yep. and they are proud of that history and correct that they should be so uh, and you know it, it shouldn't be allowed to degenerate this is a very special place in the world for the history that this place has got and what you've got is a little town down the road from here that absolutely gets it absolutely gets it the local government get it the residents get it um and yeah some of them see it as a commercial opportunity don't care actually yeah as long as you're not getting in the way of it that's fine but the local businesses absolutely get it and you are welcome here and there are smiles at the gates and the people from the local lions club here what a delight it is you turn up and they realize you're not from around here yeah and they welcome you and, and they, they say hello they, they want to chat and yeah. oh, that's great you know that's it should be what part of the experience is um, yeah, I love coming here. I love coming here, and I'd love to be able to bring more people here when I can. Well, you you have the power to bring more people. I wish I had the thousand quid it would cost for the effort. Um, so something new that's happened this year. I want, there's one more question I want to do after this. Something new that's been happening this year is that we've done the track to town uh, thing with the GT3 cars. We've had one from each brand plus the Mustang yeah. Mark car. Uh, do a lap of this place and then head into town on the public roads. Uh, were you were you in there for that? No, I actually was. So I took the time uh, while that was happening and most of the media were down having free food on Bathurst Council uh, to actually have a quiet press room and plenty of bandwidth and recorded the weekend. Oh, cars. okay. But, I guess that's I've a good it, excuse. But I've done it before uh, yeah. with, with Spark. Look, number one, more race meetings should do that. Yeah. I think it brings the experience of what we've got here to the local community, to a wider media and it's way cool. Yeah. Oh. Um, you know, we've I've done it at, at Spa 24 hours before now. Uh, memorably, we did it um, in 2004 in Bahrain. Okay. Uh, now, that, that wasn't a kind of 15-minute trundle down the road. That was uh, a near full grid of GT2 and GT3 cars plus some historics. A 40-minute wow. trip into Manama under high-speed police escort. Got a little out of hand. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's you know, you speak to John Hindoff, he'll, he'll tell you that he and I in a uh, Toyota minivan with a TV camera and David Lord, my business partner at Daily Sports Bureau on the back, shooting stills. A defining moment. I mean, absolutely amazing. Seeing real race cars on a public road, uh, whether or not discipline has been exercised or not, is an extraordinary thing. Um Look, it was, I was going to say, it was a little scary. It was like this, it, it kind of broke a cog in my brain. I was like, this can't be right. This is not smooth. It's great. It's cool. Yeah. You know, it's different. And I think, I, I hope that becomes slightly more relaxed. next. I think it's one of these things, when you do it for the first time, you've got to keep it nailed down. Yeah. People have got to be trusted. Once you realize you can trust them, you just turn down the control a little bit more. Do I want to see the cars doing 150 miles an hour? Don't no. no, that's ridiculous. But what I would like, I'd like to hear them a bit more. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see just a tiny little bit more pace. 
but but the reality is what Richard Crail here and the the Bathurst twelve hour team, the Molly Bathurst twelve hour team here, are achieving with trying to expand this event's consciousness around Australia is a remarkable thing. Yeah, uh, because it's not just a big international race; it's a very big race nationally now. Yeah, one of the very biggest, and um, it's as always, actually a remarkably tiny team that achieves that, and they deserve absolutely all the plaudits. Mm. And I've got to say, as part of the experience, I was in the town, I was in, in the mix of it, and being able to be that up close to the cars. Like, we get, we get access when the cars are being bumped in, the teams are bumping in to kind of walk through the pits, but to be there in the sunlight oh, yeah. with the teams, talking to the teams, talking to... I had a quick chat with Richard Crow, I had a quick chat with John Hindor and Shay Adam and uh, a few of the other drivers as well. It's It was something phenomenal to be a part of and i actually even ended up on the local news some really? one of the one of the local news um uh, stations just shoved a microphone in my face and started asking me questions i'm like oh okay yeah sure okay i guess this is happening be seen by at least 50 people on the sun several million kangaroos <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's cool and yeah. that's the point people want to hear enthusiasm and you know on occasion the same thing will happen to me with these pr events it's kind of oh you're not from around here what do you think <laughs> it's cool it, it is actually just spreading the world the word rather yeah this is a place that you want to come to be entertained it is remarkably difficult to build something like this whether in motorsport or anything else because in our modern world there are so many other distractions yeah. we've all got a little kind of electronic box like we've been recorded on here in our hands and that you know is enough entertainment for most people getting people off their ass to come to any event over any distance is remarkably difficult now particularly because in sporting terms there's probably a, a, some kind of streaming surface for just about everything. Mm. Uh, but it's not the same as being here. No, definitely not. There's, you don't get that visceral sort Absolutely. of... Absolutely. And it's, it is that, that, that reminder to people that, you know what? Let's do something we don't do anymore. Put the family in the car. Put a picnic in the back and be miserable together. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, this is certainly, I think, the best place you could be miserable. Oh, no, but look, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of effort going into making this a viable day out. Yeah. I'm under no illusions that an endurance race is a pretty hard sell when you're a mum with two or three kids of indeterminate age. But the reality is, I think if you can put things in place that keeps people entertained for several of our hours of that race, people can go away happy whether or not they've seen the flag. It doesn't mm. matter. They've come, they've had a cool time, you know, and maybe when the, the, the calendar clicks around the next year, you know, we did that yeah. that weekend. Can we, can we do know? it again? Data equity is what yeah. kind of sort of yeah. it. And there's a lot of common sense in that. And, you know, I, I think something very special has been built here. I hope it continues to grow. I think it will. I think we're going to see some changes in this race in the near future. I think the, the era of this race being a mixed class race is about done. Mm. That, to my mind, is, a sl is something of a shame, but then you see the speed of the cars. That was the next question that I had. So the, we're, we've got a 40-car grid this year, which has already been cut down with a few incidents that we've had yep. today. 38 left. Uh, of that, only 13, oh, only 12 are lower-class cars. Yep. Uh, you me just mentioned that you think it's going to be a GT3-only event yep. uh, in the coming f future. Um, Personally, me personally, hashtag yes, hashtag me personally. Um, I see that as a detriment to the event because one of the things that I've always uh, sort of seen as the the ethos of this event is that it's multi class. You have yeah. the challenge of it's passing different. traffic. Yeah, it's different because there's it's not it's not like other tracks like Le Mans where you've got swathes of straight line where you can pass as many cars as you can get past before you hit no, the chicane. Uh, you from the cutting to the elbow, you have almost no opportunity to pass lower class cars, and that means that patience is a big thing. And we saw people like discipline. Kelvin, yeah, yeah, discipline. We saw people like Kelvin Vanderland last year make a decision to pass a car in the S's and throw away the entire race. Yeah. So is that such a big loss for an I event think, like this? I think it's a really difficult one. I know there's, there's been all sorts said about the loss of production cars here. They've now got their own event, and I think that's a good thing. Um, By the way, Bathurst Six Hour is a great fun, and you should definitely come check yeah, it out absolutely. as well. Yeah, production car racing, absolutely awesome. You know, I mean, completely different, but, but no less awesome. But um, think about GT4 cars. GT4 fundamentally hasn't lifted off in Australia. And there is an argument when you see some of the incidents we've seen here with GT4 cars that, that the mix here is, is, is not the safest. In part, that's because some of the GT3 drivers need to show a damn sight more patience. 
the, the consequences of getting that wrong here are remarkably bad. Do you think that might be because at other tracks there aren't as much consequence? Well, maybe, but the reality is that uh, I'm terribly sorry, but particularly in the, in the hands of uh, foot professionals, they should know better. Mm. Um, you know, my, my view is very simple. There are precious few reasons why contact with a car, um, particularly traffic, uh, is in any way um, justifiable, and particularly here and particularly across the mountains. Yeah. So, you know, I've seen a couple of incidents. I can remember a couple in particular, one involved one the Ginettis being effectively punted into a wall. At Griffin's Bend, yeah. Absolutely no excuse for that. Yeah. You know, and the reality there is, I'm sorry, guys, get over yourselves. It's their race too. And if you buy into coming to a mixed class race, one of the appeals for we, the observers, and I would like to think about the teams themselves, is the fact you've got three or four races within a race. To answer the question... We've got enough GT3 races in yeah. the world. Um, does it add something special? Yes, it does. I think what McLaren's and Mark Cars have done is extraordinary and special. Actually, seen some of their products in the combined sedans earlier. That's one of my all-time favourite support. You love it, don't you? You don't I get that over in the UK just, at all. We have nothing like that, and it's just it's it's formidable, awesome as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but to see some of those cars going and going well gives you an idea of the kind of the kind of respective pace, if nothing else. But um, it will be a shame, I think, to see them go. GT4, I wouldn't mind seeing a GT4 support race here. A support race? I think it's a developmental thing, but I think if you look at the relative pace of the cars, because of the nature of the circuit here, there's a big gap in the overall pace. And, and I guess if we're talking about that level of patience, a lot of that pace... Is, is delivered. I'm just looking at the yeah. calls and what have we got there. So we've got the timing screen just next to us because as we mentioned, we're in the comms, uh, comms block. So uh, the top time from uh, practice four for the uh, A class of the GT3s is a 203.5. Uh, for a class C car, which is GT4, it is a 219.6, which yep. is quite a step. And a lot of that is across the mountain. Yeah, okay? absolutely. So where you've got the downforce coming into play. And and that's the point at which the closing speeds are pretty terrifying. The sighting lines aren't particularly great across the mountain. Um, and then if you're dealing with patience and traffic and pressure from behind, things can get very real very quickly. This is the counterpoint to my own point, if you like, which is, I do get it, the guys are under pressure. And if they're not looking forward, they're to look backwards. And that's not a smart thing to be doing either. Yeah. So for me, GT4, if it's not working, and if you, what you're looking at here is a handful of cars, maybe you need to think about, um, you know, a plan B. And if, you know, they've got a great support package. Here. Yeah. If you could bring together an invitational race with GT4 cars that brings in some of the Asia-Pacific uh, cars, I think that'd be great. How many would you need to make that viable? A dozen, maybe. So there's got to be progress either way. Uh, but uh, maybe that's the class that potentially could go. It's a shame we haven't got more Class B Porsches. I think yeah. they do have something to it. They they aren't that far off. And what, it's, we're talking there, what, five, six seconds? Only, yeah, only six seconds of the timing screen. Yeah. And I want to even say more so, it's a shame we don't see more of the I-Class cars, the Mark Agreed, cars, yeah. and the what we had, the Daytona Sports Coupe, which you might remember. The, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that one was... The, one of the reasons for coming. Yeah, faster down the chase, or faster down Conrad than the GT3. the same with the, the rather elderly Viper. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, remarkably quick in a straight line after the hopeless through the corners. Exactly. But, you know, it's basically like throwing a biscuit tin down the, <laughs> down the chase. It's, it, it's, it's, but it's good. It's, it's what makes it different. What can be frustrating when you're doing what I do, which is like something like 30 trips around the world, with remarkably few of those in the UK, one of the downsides of the GT3 racing world is you are seeing the same cars, often the same teams and very much the same drivers in different places around the world. And that has some limited appeal. Yeah. Um, that is a negative. You want different. Mm. You know, Dipping into other championships is actually a really cool thing. And, you know, when you go to the Asian Le Mans series or the European Le Mans series and IMSA and maybe a bit of Pirelli World Challenge or whatever it's called this week, um, you know, that's it's good to see sometimes the same people in different cars and different teams, but that mixture is good. And then seeing emerging talent from, from that particular championship. We said again, it's why this is cool. Yeah. We've got drivers that until I came to the Bathurst 12 hours, drivers of massive talent that I'd never seen race live. And, you know, these familiar 
names, marginally unfamiliar faces that are going out there and kicking ass. Kicking ass, it's, exactly. You know, it's great. And that leads into another question that I had, which is uh, how much do you think that experience at this track in particular counts towards your pace versus experience in GT3 machinery around the world? Is, for example, a Lucas Stoltz who may have only been here once or twice going to be the same sort of uh, daredevilness across the top of the mountain as someone like a Craig Lowndes yeah. who's maybe raced a GT3 car here yeah. three times but has done the thousand many times? Not if he's got the sense he was born with because <laughs> he gets it wrong, it's going to go very wrong. I think the answer here is track knowledge is massively underrated by people who just watch casually. Okay. And you can see that on, on wide open class one circuits, let alone a place like this, where, as I say, consequences are extreme and mm. painful. Uh, so never underestimate the contribution made by track knowledge here for some of the guys who've got experience in supercars. Does that mean that's an unfair advantage? No, of course it doesn't. It's just another thing in the mix. Does that mean that they would necessarily be that good somewhere else? doesn't but they probably are going to be because they've developed a skill set that means they can deliver but you know i can remember when uh, the days before the bathurst 12 or the bathurst 24 hours where the original idea was that i would come for the second year of that race that we were going to be covering and actually the race didn't happen yeah damn it uh, but um, do you imagine a 24-hour race here though i mean i mean you know we i can remember it was malcolm cracknell our, our founding editor dave lord came they stayed in a little camper van um with with malcolm's then partner so the three of them and a basic little pickup truck camper van <sighs> don't ask uh, sounds a little <laughs> bit backwards to me but um but um an extraordinary weekend was had by all a week was had by all it happened to be the rugby world cup that year oh uh, of course 2003 oh um, no don't and they were the only... remember remember what i said earlier about the the motorsport being the the thing that i did with my dad uh i had, i have vivid memories of watching that World Cup final yep. with my dad in the living room and him dancing up and down <laughs> the, the hallway when Johnny Wilkinson, whose name I'm never going to forget, yeah, yeah. made that kick. And Johnny's here now. <laughs> but that, you know, that, that was the Bathurst yeah. press room. It was that weekend. Really? Oh, and wow. They were the only Brits in the press room, apart from I think, the Royal Centre racing crew downstairs. And they must um, have been having an absolute ball. It, it was awesome. It was awesome. But... But again, it's that tribal thing, isn't it? And and it's again, it's that that meeting of worlds and you know Bathurst and the the Anglo-Australian camaraderie and rivalry is just it's just great. But look, I love coming here and experiencing a new kind of batch of talent um, in a completely different environment, um, and that you can come in. This place is so beautiful. I mean, forget everything else about just the, the competitive. It's such a beautiful country. It's such a beautiful part of the country. Just watching all the monitors here. We just have one of the, the mountain shuttles delivering people to the top of the mountain. A family coming down the hill. Um, uh, well, well, a couple of them on scooters, one on a bike. They're going to be pretty quick by the end of that. Um, or dead. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Hopefully it's, the fourth one. But it's, but it's, it's cool. Um, one tip from me. Wherever you are in the world, whether or not it's here in Australia, or elsewhere in the world. If you love this sport in the way that we clearly do, expand your horizons just a little. You know, if what you've done is you always go to supercars at you know, name uh, local circuit or yeah. come to Bathurst once a year, put a few dollars away. Um, do that for a few years. Get on a plane. Go somewhere. Go. Cool. You will never forget it. So what you're saying is visit New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 if you've not been here, you come here. You know? If you've not been here, you won't regret it. This is one of the all-time awesome places. Just, just, just for context, that's uh, because of the ads that ran last oh, yeah. year. That's just a running joke. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's you know, and if it's right, you should come and experience it. And I remember, you know, I think you know, my my thing with my lad was Brantach. That was okay. our local yep. circuit at the time. It was just down the road, and we were there probably one weekend in two, four years. And then we started to expand our horizons. And I can remember going to Donington Park specifically to watch the Mercedes GT1 cars. Oh, wow. Well. Specifically, our first time we went further afield to go and watch a particular car. Le Mans came into it. Some other races around the UK. Um, and when I started to do this as, a, as effectively as a bit of weekend warrior work, then it was more tracks around the UK, and then some of the European tracks, and then... You know, Sebring and Daytona in 2001, 2002. And, you know, and you never regretted any of that. And it's actually, when you examine it, 
for other things we spend our money on. It's not that expensive. It's you just know? a lot of planning and it preparation. Is, you know, and actually, you know, it's it it, it it is very rewarding. You will, through the community that you guys have got, there are people who will be regulars at those tracks. They will help you to plan. They will probably give you floor space in their house to actually put a sleeping bag or, or if not, call the cops. <laughs> but, you know, but they will give you advice as to a, a, an accessible, cheap way to achieve that. All the best places to go, all the places absolutely not to go. It is part of the, 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 the massively life-enhancing experience of being the fan and enthusiast of a sport that you've now got the opportunity to have this global community you know, through the internet, through, you know, the links that have been made by things like, you know, the subreddit and regular mod and other things and the streaming services and yep. the chat that you can get on those things that, you know, we're all now, we know each other without even meeting each other. Yep. You and I met, what, three years ago? Yeah, three or two. Either yep. way, it yeah, was but, some time you know, ago. But, it's, but, you know, that simply wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. Use that because it's a massively powerful thing. Ask the questions. Those questions will be answered accurately and politely. Find out the way to actually make this happen. You know, save $100 every year. And in three or four years' time, you have enough to get on a train or a bus or to put the fuel in the tank to go a little bit further afield, whether or not you're in the US or Australia or in Europe. There are simple ways of getting to things that are more awesome than you've seen live before. Just do it. Because who knows what might not happen next. You might decide, I'd like to go and try that marshalling. I'd like to actually um, go knock on the door of that team garage and see whether or not they want someone to wash the wheels. I might want to pick up a pen and try my hand at writing. I might want to pick up a camera. I might um, want to pick up a phone and try and get this. the, the Bathurst 12-hour combat. As, absolutely. And, and actually, the reality is, is that's exactly what I did. Damn it, look at me now. <laughs> what, what, what a depressing thought that is. <laughs> but, but it is exactly what I did. It is the, the, uh, my enthusiasm took me in that particular direction. And I'm delighted to say that I've never earned less money in my life and I've never been happier professionally. And I've done some awesome things in my life. But actually, this is you know, something that I'm truly passionate about. I truly want to feel as much a part of the family that there is in this, this panic, this pit lane, this press box, whatever. And through hard work, graft, and a bit of luck, I'm here. And I'd like to think that there are some people out there that would aspire to being part of that, whether or not it's the guys that I see around the world with spanners in their hand um, or with a laptop in their hand doing data uh, engineering or, you know, as I say, in the press box or simply that just meet up at a racetrack with a barbecue and an awning and a couple of camp chairs and several tinnies in the hand and just have an awesomely good time. That's life affirming. And in a world right now that's got more questions and answers, that's got to be a good thing. It's absolutely a good thing. And you're going to be one of those guys, you're going to be neck deep in guys with tinnies and <laughs> camp chairs and barbecues when you head down to the chase to tomorrow, to uh, down to, to that little campsite. We'll, we'll leave it there. That's, I feel like it's a great place to leave it. Thank you very much for allowing Always me welcome. the opportunity to do this with you, Graham. And yeah, thank you very, thank you very much. Great stuff. Um, we'll be interacting with you uh, well forever and a day. Uh, keep sending the questions to Twisk. Lots more to come with that one. Keep contributing to what has actually become a really cool community, uh, really well kind of administered. It's not an easy thing to do, and we'll be right there with you guys. There you have it. That was my chat with Graham Goodwin. Uh, what was meant to be just a 10 to 15 minute interview turned into a bang on an hour of discussion. Uh, yeah, it was really, really awesome and something very, I felt very privileged to be able to do that. And so I want to thank. Graham Goodwin, again, for allowing me the opportunity to come in and do that and to give up his time uh, for uh, my little project. Um, I also want to thank Bonnie Lass 47 again uh, for passing on the prize and giving us the uh, giving me the opportunity to have an extended uh, meeting with Graham Goodwin. And finally, I want to thank you guys. I, I want to thank the r WEC community and the listeners of Endurance Chat uh, because... Without the community, without you guys, your listeners, the listeners, um, I would not have the platform to share my passion like this, and I wouldn't have ever gotten to the Bathurst 12 hour, and I wouldn't have ever been as entrenched 
in motorsport and sports cars as I am now. And uh, uh, the only reason I went to the Bathurst 12 hour was because there was people online that I knew that I could go with. And I, without that, I would not have access to some of the places that I've been able to get to um, at Bathurst and at other uh, motorsport ventures. And I wouldn't have ever made a podcast and I, we wouldn't have had the rapport with the likes of Graham Goodwin. And it's because of the community and because of what you guys are and what you've become that I get to do something like this, something so cool and so unique. So thank you for making this possible. Uh, it's, yeah, it's very privileged. I, I feel very privileged and I'm very humbled that this has been able to happen. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed. Uh, I've got another episode that I'll be putting together over the course of the week, which is a bit more of a travel log. Uh, where I talk about what's going on during the day uh, of each of the days and we've got some binaural microphone recordings. I gave you a little snippet uh, of the Brabham in this episode but we've got a few from a bunch of different places around the track. Just some pure sound recordings because I know that that will be very popular. And we'll have a full review of the Bathurst 12-hour along with the Daytona 24-hour along with all the other news that we missed in January coming up later this month. Uh, before the next round of the World Endurance Championship and the IMSA uh, North American Endurance Cup at Sebring. Thank you very much. Uh, peace out. <laughs> <laughs>